Welcome to the Defense and Aerospace Report. I'm Vaga Maradian. This podcast version of our interview is brought to you by L3 Technologies. Welcome to the Defense and Aerospace Report. I'm Vaga Maradian here at the Farnborough International Air Show, about 30 miles southwest of London. Our coverage here on this 100th anniversary year for the Royal Air Force, the world's first independent air force, are Leonardo DRS and Farnborough International. And we're honored to have with us Leanne Corette, uh, the president for Boeing Defense uh, Security and Sp- Space and Security. Got that almost wrong. It's always a pleasure seeing you. It is always a pleasure to see you as well, Vago. Um, it's 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 always a treat. We get these six month updates, which is which is really cool to keep the dialogue going. Uh, you're in a great mood. Uh, there's a lot that you, the fighter portfolio is set for about another decade. Uh, so I know a lot all the big proposals that we discussed earlier in the year. They're all all in. Also uh, at this point, obviously still answering questions on TX and and obviously the ballistic missile replacement program is not yet decided. But we know that it's going to be you guys and and Northrop going after that. Um, one one of the things that we've talked about is the importance of affordability as being something key. Uh, and now you're turning your focus back to a lot of the organizational challenges and some of the cultural challenges that you've been focused on. Um, driving affordability means getting people to change how they think. And it's a fine line between continuing to innovate and continuing to cut costs and then building resentment that, you know, or using cattle prods. And I can't imagine you'd want to be using those, those either. Talk to us a little bit about the challenge and the opportunity you see here and how you're getting the organization to think that way. Because all too often on any program that we see, we have a tendency of engineering it and then spending many, many years out re-engineering something to take the cost out of it. So talk to us a little bit about culturally what you're trying to accomplish and how you're doing. Well, first, if I can, thanks for having the time. It's a busy air show, and it's been a great one Boeing. It's been a great one Boeing uh, show so far, as you've seen. Great commercial sales, great services sales, and obviously um, you've been reading the news about not only the extension of our production lines, but the upcoming delivery of the KC-46, which we're <laughs> standing in front of a picture of, which is just... Um, absolutely uh, terrific for the customer. Um, You know, Vago, you and I have um, had these conversations several times over the last few years, and right now we're, you know, I mean, we're in a period of stability within Boeing uh, Defense. It's a very exciting time. Um, Early on, uh, we took some aggressive moves to make certain we were focused on the customer, that we were driving affordability, and that we were eliminating bureaucracy and focused on listening to the customer. Um, I, you know, you asked me, um, I think at the Reagan Forum back in uh, 2016, how will I know that it's working? And I said, when we start winning. And I think what you all have um, seen is that this team has really delivered on all fronts and continues to win. We've extended every production line. We're having different conversations about our fight, fighter business than we were. We're on the cusp of delivering the KC-46. P-8 continues to be in high demand. Our rotorcraft, you mentioned um, our missile defense. So really, the team has just been performing at an all-time high. The um, rate of um, the pace at which they're working is high, and we're doing it in a very um, transparent and inclusive way with the customer. So I'm really proud of everyone. Um, it, it, it's been a good time. I want to ask you about Tanker because we were looking at the business end of we were we were both looking at it admiringly earlier, and we were like, it's Boeing. Yes, it's beautiful work. Uh, a little bit uh, there, um, the joke fell a little bit flat. But hey, we can always work on new material. Um, uh, 
Talk to us a little bit about, you know, you see Chinook and F-18 as this sort of evolutionary model. Uh, both are platforms that have been in production for a very long time, but you guys have used a very spiral process to always roll out steadily more capability, take a little bit more incremental cost out of the platform. Uh, both will be in production for the foreseeable future. I mean, nobody sees Chinook going anywhere, uh, in part because you guys won some of those orders to be able to stretch that line out because there was a little bit of tension about that earlier. Um, what, what are the keys here? What are the keys that you see about what happened, what's happening and been happening on Chinook in 18 that you guys want to roll out to all of the other Boeing products to basically extend some of these franchises as long as possible? Well, first it's um, starting with the customer and it's what they are wanting to do and it's about how that capability continues to be relevant uh, for the future. Um, the Chinook model is one I'm really proud about. You and I spent time in the factory uh, before where we can bring today's technology, continue to innovate it, have a, a roadmap that is partnered on with the customer so that they're getting what they're needing at a really great uh, value and then we can meet their timelines in terms of fielding. We've deployed that same model with the Navy on the supers. We're going to be bringing every one of those supers back through. Uh, they'll be getting extended life, plus they're going to be getting block three capabilities with them. So it's just an exciting time in terms of how do you take the, you know, build is really a form of strength on strength. You have these great um, assets that the customer uh, wants to use, that they need to use as part of their uh, mission fleet, and then how do we keep them relevant for the future and at a an affordable price and so it all comes together I think it's very relevant on most of our lines and it's part of that road mapping we do with the customer but it always starts with one thing Vago and that is listening it is about us listening to what the customer wants and then building them a business proposition that works for them and for us um, on the, the services side of things I mean that's been a key business because now you have a very very installed base everybody you know services is a tricky business it's 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 a lot of work it's not a lot of return but hey nobody everybody needs uh, as much money coming in do you guys how are you evolving your services model at this point because the you know customers are beginning to look at services differently in some cases they want to move to more of their own organic support and logistics especially in a great power way where forward uh, contractors may not be able to access so there are things that services want to do military services want to do themselves and yet there are folks that want to look at more contractorized models how is the service game and how are you guys working to adapt and shift your service game to be to be able to deliver exactly what it is that your customer wants. Well, I think that's where you see actually Boeing leading in the marketplace. Marketplace. If you recall, back in 2017, we launched Boeing Global Services. So we took the component of our defense business and the component of our commercial business. We brought it together and centered it around a focus on the customer with a service lens. Stan Deal is the um, president and CEO of that business, and he has a very unique background, um, extensive um, history in supply chain management, um, has ran the commercial service business was a salesman for the aircraft business and then he and I worked together for several years as I was running our services business right. that has really resulted in him creating a culture that is focused on services first processes that are service aligned and again goes back to the measurements we use for a service uh, model are actually the customers measures on availability it isn't just about how fast you get the part turned out it is do they have aircraft whether they're commercial airlines or defense products that are ready to go when they're needed to be called a pound and are we working at that uh, pace and rate that is what makes all the difference in the world um, as a company we're very focused on continuing to deliver on this and we believe that there's an incredible value, and we believe it's an opportunity for us to grow market share. Um, let me uh, shift gears, because I have a whole bunch of programmatic and some strategic questions, but one of your predecessors, Jim Albaugh, always used to talk about 
the importance of putting your own product out of business. Uh, that was at a slightly different time when we were looking at that. Uh, and now, you know, all of these longtime franchises look like they're still going to have some legs to them. But how do you work that element of it as you look to the future? Um, it looks like the customer is seriously considering how to do things differently. It's looking at some of the platforms that it's buying for now, but beginning to look at some things that are in legacy that we may need to do differently for the future. So as you try to do this strategic mapping, how do you approach that step change function where, you know, right now the whole drive has been keep the product, you know, keep the customers in the products that they, they're buying. But you occasionally hear these vibes that, hey, the customer may be considering to do some major muscle movements. How do you, how do you make some of this calculus and this investment internally to make sure that you're ready to do, you talked about listening to the customer. Do you think that there's, there's opportunity, are we gonna stay with this model or, or is this gonna change? And are you thinking, or at least spending some of your energy thinking about what happens when or if that model changes? Because you get these signs that this team is looking at things fundamentally differently in a, from a great power competition standpoint. And you hear a lot of talking about what we've been doing may not be working for what we need to do in the future. And that's always kind of a lead indicator that, that the ecosystem could change. Well, I think it's important to note that if you don't believe you're going to be disrupted, you're not paying attention. All of us are going to be disrupted in our, our product lines and our services offerings. The key is who's going to disrupt us. Are we going to be disrupted by somebody else? Or are we going to disrupt ourselves? From a Boeing perspective, that is why we have formed company, um, a, a group within us called Horizon X, which is in essence a venture capital arm of the company where we're off looking at new technologies, perhaps at very low readiness levels, but they're state of the art and how can we parlay that back into the main business? We want to disrupt ourselves on every one of these product lines. Uh, you know, if you look at the Chinook that's being delivered today and the Chinook that was being delivered back in 1960, other than uh, the mole line, these are not the same aircraft, but we tend to oversimplify. And so this is about disrupting from a technology perspective. It is making sure we're taking the best of what the world has to offer. It is disrupting on a um, business model perspective. You know, so many times we think only about pure play technology, but it is important that we also get the business models right. And it is about understanding what is the customer's strategic focus, and it is changing. They're very focused on resiliency. They're very focused on redundancy. They're very focused on changing the game and getting in front of it being the status quo. Our job is to use our incredible modeling and simulation capability our knowledge of artificial intelligence, bringing in data analytics, pulling that all together to help us inform and educate on what are options for the customer to look at going forward and do it in a proactive manner. I intend on disrupting every one of these product lines. I intend, and I know my team, they are totally focused on doing the same thing. It is a, it is a collective energy, and with the power of the Boeing company, there's nothing stopping us. Um, do you feel that uh, the administration has put a priority on, on speeding things up for from your standpoint, your level, do you see things being sped up? Absolutely. It is the conversations we are having and the and the pace in terms of making decisions has increased uh, greatly. I have seen more innovation um, in the last year in terms of how we can make things happen than we had seen in some prior years. Part of it is there's a great support in terms of uh, the, the budget itself and what the outlook for the near-term future is, but also there is just a lot of uh, um, conversations around how do we do it differently and what makes sense, what is common sense. And so I really want to applaud what um, uh, Secretary Lord is doing, what Secretary Shanahan is doing, uh, because they are changing the face of how we do business. 
Um, let me take you to the issue of tanker. Uh, you, look at that. There's a tanker behind us. Um, uh, you're, you know, uh, well, every time we've spoken, uh, you've told me we're going to turn the corner. It appears you guys have turned the corner, certainly in terms of certification. Talk to us about what this means and what happens to this backlog and how quickly you can get these airplanes to the customer. Well, I'll let the Air Force um, media speak for itself. Um, I think you've seen uh, both uh, Dr. Roper as well as uh, the chief come out and say how they're looking forward to taking uh, the deliveries um, beginning at the end of October. We will deliver at the pace that works best for the U.S. Air Force. It's been a partnership, first and foremost. I appreciate the um, I appreciate the working together with them. I appreciate the fact that they have stood by with us, and we're going to be delivering this awesome capability. I think everyone's uh, um, aligned fully on not only what the aircraft can do uh, and the capability provides, but how badly it's needed in the field. And then I want to give a shout out to the um, my entire team, to the entire Boeing team. Uh, this program is uh, you know core to what we do. It is about who we are, and there is no finer example of one Boeing than KC-46. Um, let me take you to your partnership with Embraer. Uh, so part of Boeing is uh, acquiring Embraer. Uh, obviously, the commercial uh, part of the company is being merged. Uh, we talked to Randy Tenseth a little bit about it, and Chris Raymond. Uh, the inimitable Chris Raymond is going to be uh, doing that integration work. He's obviously done a terrific job heading the unmanned portfolio at, at Boeing. Uh, and uh, full disclosure, I'm a friend of Chris's, but I think he's also doing a terrific job and, and will do a terrific job in his new assignment. But on KC-390, the uh, tanker transport developed by Embraer, you guys have been the marketing partner on it. You adjusted your agreement uh, as well, but you're also working with Saab. Uh, another uh, airplane that lives, eats, breathes, sleeps airplanes just like you do and Embraer does, and you're working with them on the TX program. Do you see a deeper relationship that you can strike that brings three aircraft companies with uh, exemplary engineering cultures together in order to be able to get that competitive advantage on world markets? Do you see a more intimate relationship among the three of you in order to be able to, to expand your global footprint and solve problems at home as well? Well, I'm not going to speak to, you know, in any terms, uh, in terms of uh, the companies coming together. Uh, that is And I didn't mean merger or anything, but just working uh, more closely together. Um, but, you know, we have very close working relationships with Saab. Obviously, uh, they've been our partner of choice. As a matter of fact, at Farnborough in 2010, it's when we came together and said we were going to go do TX together. It has been an amazing partnership. We really uh, feel that we have a solid offering, and we're excited for the use of um, United States Air Force to move forward with that solicitation. Um, you know, our um, working together with um, Embraer has been um, at a company level, both on the commercial and defense side, uh, for decades as well. Uh, we have uh, very complementary uh, cultures and product lines. I was literally just on the KC-390 uh, earlier this morning. It's a, it's a great capability, and we're really excited to further explore opportunities to, uh, to work together and how we um, continue in that area vein. But what I think your, your question that you're aiming at is these collaborations we have with companies um, outside of the U.S. from a global perspective, do they add value? And the short answer is yes, they absolutely add value. Not only do you have the opportunity to see things through different lenses and you bring um, great um, engineering and technical teams together, but additionally, uh, you know, it provides you um, insight into how the, uh, the rest of the world operates, both from a inside out and an outside in lens. And so it makes us a makes us a better company, it makes us a better team, and we really value these strategic partnerships. Um, uh, 
All right, well, okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about the global market. Exports are critical to the company. Um, at this point, uh, but very, very small things can lead to certain big outcomes. For example, in Canada, Canada was going to go for the F-35, got out of that program, looks like it was going to go with the uh, uh, F-18, it was almost all but assured. Uh, and then the Bombardier trade action happened. I understand the reasons why you guys did it, but then it looked like it was going to be the F-35 again. And then the president uh, made comments about the Canadian prime minister, and it looks like that's on hold. Um, all eyes are on whether the international market, even if it may like acquiring American systems may start to move against American systems. Uh, and I've heard this from some of our allies that, you, you know, the, the pressure to spend more, spend that with the United States, give America pre preferential trade status in exchange for security is sort of going down not as well, perhaps, as folks may have wanted it to. Are you concerned at all that there's going to be some sort of aggregate sales impact as nations who might otherwise buy from the United States may decide, hey, look, we're going to ban European, we're going to look at European projects. If you look at the FCAS announcement here, it's for UK technological sovereignty, in part because of concerns that we acquire American systems that we don't have a tremendous amount of insight on. And that includes an enormous number of systems that are yours, and that's, that's not your fault. That's, a lot of it is US government regulations associated with that. But talk to us a little bit about your concerns uh, with whether or not you guys are going to be as competitive as you'd like to be on these markets. You know, do trade wars and political pressures play very heavily on something as um, high profile as major defense contracts? Well, I think it's important to start with the aerospace industry as a whole is um, extremely strong and it's enduring. I mean, it is a market space with a market outlook that many uh, companies and industrials would, uh, you know, just pray to have. And so it is about making certain that that enduring, uh, that enduring market continues for all of us. It also is about making certain that the customers have the right capability at the right time at the right price. Uh, of course, there is um, politics. There is um, different conversations ongoing. Uh, you know, the Boeing company stands for, you know, we, we focus first on listening to our customers. Uh, we are making certain that uh, we are having uh, conversations um, as appropriate, uh, you know, if there's concerns that we have. We're also waiting to see what exactly is going to have. You've heard Dennis Mullenberg, uh, you know, speak to this just um, this past uh, weekend. And so uh, this is, uh, is not a, it's not a flash in the pan. It's not a point in time. It's something that's going to continue to evolve. And I think we all need to have patience as uh, we watch the situation, you know, the, watch the entire conversation evolve. Leanne Corrett, president of Boeing Defense Space and Security. Thank you so much for the time and look forward to talking to you again soon. Vago, it's great to see you. Thanks. Thank you very much.